Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, last week in that message about um, the ne- praying for the next generation, one of my final points was I really challenged us to speak life over the next generation and that we would only speak life over our kids because there is so much power when we speak. So if we're going to speak over our kids, I want us to speak life and blessing and encouragement, but I also want to break down why there's so much power in our words. That's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Um, I read to you this scripture last week. I'll reread it again today. It's Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Abraham is our father in the sight of God, the God who gives life to the dead. And then listen to this. And he calls things that are not as though they were. He calls things that are not as though they were. God has tremendous power when he speaks. We read in Genesis chapter one and two that God spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. But I wanna also explain to you why we have so much power when we speak. And that is also in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, we have been created. And if you were wondering how many genders there are, this verse will also help you. Male and female, he created them. Now we know. The Bible tells me so. Young people, if you didn't know that, it's in the Bible. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to question. God already explained it to us with just two chromosomes. That's, it's a super simple. So, um, but the point about speaking is we were created in the image of God. And when he spoke, he creates galaxies. When we speak, our words are extremely powerful. The, the tongue can be used for creating good or creating bad. Proverbs puts it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The same tongue can create life or death. There's so much power when we speak because we were created in the image of God. He created universes and our tongue will create what we speak. Many of the problems that we face in life, we spoke into existence before they ever happened. Well, I'll never get that job. I'm I'm just always going to be poor. I'm never going to lose this weight. I'll never get in shape. We're never going to solve this problem at work. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Whatever that, I'll never get married. We'll never have kids. Our nation is doomed under this president. I'll never get free of this addiction. I'll never get free of this disease. And then shockingly, a few months later, we're walking in exactly what we spoke. We are filled with the presence of God. As God's people, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Therefore, when we speak, we're prophesying. So, so often we're living out a prophecy that we spoke a few days ago or a few weeks ago. It's kind of like planting seed. You're a farmer, you have this life that you're living, and you have this bag of seed that you're throwing out there. Those are the words. So you plant seeds, good or bad, you're going to harvest that back into your life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So only speak life. Only speak healing, only speak blessing, only speak encouragement, only speak prosperity over your life, over your kids' lives, over your neighbor's life, over strangers' life. 
When we were kids, every mom and every grandma, every kindergarten teacher taught us this expression. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Can I just give you a little insight, prophetic truth? Literally, for real, for real, if you don't have life to speak, don't speak. Don't speak. <laughs> you guys remember the childhood lie? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anybody that's been through the seventh grade knows that that's a lie. <laughs> seventh grade kids are savage. They're the worst. Because the problem with a seventh grader is they're smart enough to be extremely accurate when they tear you down. They're mean to other kids. They're mean. To, like if, if, if a seventh grader insults an adult, you'd be like, hey, you shouldn't talk like that. Man, that was extremely accurate the way they broke me down to my soul. Why? Because it doesn't matter where the word comes from. Our words have this unique power to bring life or death. Speaking of unique power, here's something else funny about words. And also we could use the seed illustration. Once a word comes out, you can never get it back. Once the seed, has, the seed has been sown into the world, it's never going back on the inside. But here's a bananas thing. Once the, the words that you speak go out, they also still affect you on the inside. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 15. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So the only thing that I learned from this verse is that carbs don't defile me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Fat and sugar doesn't defile me. Spicy food doesn't defile my stomach. But my criticism and my complaining does. It's funny, isn't it? The words are coming out of my mouth, but they end up defiling me on the inside. It's a seed of death that I have thrown against somebody else but it also planted a seed of death in my own heart. And our problems that we face in life are compounded because we've spread death over other people and kind of like seeds like of a, of a weed, they multiply wherever we spread them. So if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. There's power of life and death in your tongue. The Apostle James gives um, three different illustrations of the power of the tongue. James 3.3, 3, we can make a large horse go wherever it wants to by the means of a very small bit in its mouth. I, I was preaching in a church in Washington State, in like central Washington, um, this was years ago, and on a beautiful ranch, the, the, one of the leaders in the church, one of the elders, uh, brought us over, uh, me and Josie, and said, we'll take a nice horseback ride. And, um, and now, I, I love to ride, but I rarely ride, so, you know, maybe once a year. I, I'm, I'm still quite rookie, novice, you know, horseback rider-er. And they had two horses left, like the old, gentle, tame, you know, mare. And uh, Josie had just had a baby, and she's looking at me like, I'll take the big, slow, fat, dumb one. So, on her husband, the horse. And um, <laughs> shots fired at me. And then he's like, Brad, you've ridden before? I'm like, yeah, I've, I've ridden some. He's like, because this one, this is, it's a young horse. We're still working on him. Man, he's fast, so you really want to keep him in control. I'm like, okay. So I hop up, and things are going okay. We're taking our little ride. But then we go out um, the paddock into this, like, open field. And our horses were supposed to just walk 
on the nice open field and get to the tree line and we were gonna take a trail or something. No, no, my horse got spooked. Honestly, wasn't me, but I'm the amateur sitting in the driver's seat. That horse takes off in a full-on gallop. And forget like controlling the animal, I'm just trying to hold on for dear life. I'm literally, you know how you're not supposed to hold on to the horn? Literally holding on to the horn, just trying to not fall off. And you know, those of you that ride horses, the, well, what am I doing? I'm squeezing my legs so hard around that animal. Now if you don't know horses, I'm telling that horse go faster, go faster, go faster. <laughs> so after, you know, 100 yards or two, I, I remember how to ride a horse. And I'm like, dude, you've got to relax your legs, pull back on the reins, and then give it something to do. So I relaxed my legs, even though we're still in a full gallop. I pulled back on the reins, and I pulled to the right. That horse came to a screeching halt. I stayed in the saddle. I was in my 20s. Of course, I said, now? No. But because of a little two-and-a-half-inch piece of metal. And the illustration that James is making is you have this massive animal that is controlled by this little tiny thing. Verse 4, a small rudder can make a huge ship turn wherever it wants because the pilot's choosing to go. Even though the winds are fierce and strong, it's that little rudder. In proportion to the size of the ship, the rudder is tiny, but it sets the direction for where the ship is going to go. Your tongue will set the direction of your life. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is this small thing, but it can make this grand speech. But a tiny spark can set a whole forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Our tongue can be an entire world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire because the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Your words have so much power. In 1871 in Chicago, a woman named Mrs. O'Leary, true story, was milking her cow early, early, early in the morning. And the cow kicked over her lantern, which set the hay on fire, which set the barn on fire, which burned down 17,450 buildings in Chicago. And sadly, 250 people lost their life. One cow creates a little spark and more than half of Chicago burned to the ground. One word from your mouth, one word of criticism, one word of cursing at somebody, one word that's faithless can destroy them. One word of gossip, one word of backbiting, you can start a fire that you can't control. Our words could set the city of Eulis and the mid-cities on fire for life or death. We have the power of life and death in our tongues. Therefore, kind of like that horse, we need to discipline this tongue to only speak life. Now, I'll also say this, for those of you that are quiet and introverted, but you still have some attitude, social media comments are the coward's tongue. So you need to be careful even on what your thumbs are typing because you're still putting words out there. You're still spreading seed, whether it could be for life or death. Because our words, they're contagious. But the same is true if you speak life. 
You speak one word of encouragement, man, like everybody's feeling better about themselves. Everybody feels taller. Everybody's faith is growing. Everybody's joy is a little bit more joyful because you speak life. You speak blessing, and you're actually physically blessing them in the name of the Lord. You speak healing over somebody, and they're believing God for a word of healing. Now, let's literally just pick up the next verse in, chapter, in, in verse 7, James chapter uh, 3. People can tame all kinds of animals. You can tame a bird. You can tame a reptile. James said you can tame a fish. I guess he means like Shamu or something. I don't know. But nobody can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Tell us how you really feel, James. Why are you preaching this message, Brad, if we can't actually tame the tongue? Because I want you to die trying. If we can't tame the tongue, let's die trying. Like, let's really, really try. There are, in fact, three things that will tame the tongue. The grace of God, physically cutting the tongue out of the mouth, or death. The tongue rarely speaks when it's dead. Let's keep reading and see what James thinks about hypocritical Christians. Verse 9. Sometimes it, meaning the tongue, will praise the Lord and Father, God in heaven. And then sometimes it will curse those who have been made in the image of God. And so it is, blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, uncommon church, this is not right. Because does a spring bubble up fresh water and salt water? Of course it doesn't. Does a fig tree produce olives? Of course it doesn't. Does a grapevine produce figs? Of course it doesn't. You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You should never, ever, ever, never, ever speak bad about anybody ever. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. A politician that you don't like, don't speak bad about them because they bear the image of God. Somebody in your life, a business partner, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, former spouse that hurt you, someone that you loved hurt you, don't speak bad about them. Why? They bear the image of God. Your job is to forgive them, release that debt, and bless them. Why? Because they bear the image of God. Now, if they physically hurt you, emotionally hurt you, sexually hurt you, they do not have to be in close proximity to your life. You can bless them and forgive them from a big old distance. They don't even have to be alive. Maybe you had a loved one in your life that hurt you as a child and then now they're dead, but you're still carrying this pain. You can release that debt and forgive them of that debt even though they are no longer in your life. You don't want to be the one that's carrying that debt. Speaking of this hypocrisy, God, God literally says it's not right to sing a praise and worship song and then yell at your spouse on your way home. It is not right to sing a praise and worship song and then curse somebody out on 183 when you're driving home for lunch. And the whole thing about the fig tree can't produce olives and the salty spring can't produce fresh water, James is making it clear that we're not literally dealing with a problem with our tongue, that our tongue is drawing from a well, it's drawing from a source that is deeper and it's in our heart that's the problem. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, above all else, I want you to guard your heart because everything in your life is going to flow out of your heart. So our, our tongue is connected to our heart. Matthew 12, whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. So if the, if the well is bad, if your heart is bad, you're drawing out bitter water. Yeah, we can't tame the tongue, but we can fill our hearts with the kingdom of God. We can fill our hearts with blessing. We can fill our hearts with love. We can fill our hearts with encouragement. We can fill our hearts with the word of God. So we might not be able to tame our tongue, says James, but we can fill our hearts 
with the Word of God. We can read our Bibles. We can renew our minds. We can, and you know what? You have to be careful what you put into your heart. You have to be careful of what entertainment you're watching on screens and what you're reading and and what's going on in your household. If you don't put garbage in, you don't have to worry about garbage coming out. But too many Christians are trying to find out how much worldly entertainment can they put on the inside of them and then be surprised when they don't speak the kingdom out of them. If you put the kingdom in you, if you listen to worship music, if you listen to sermons throughout the week, if you watch Hallmark Channel instead of HBO Max, you'd be surprised how much kingdom comes out of you. Young people today are struggling to believe truth because they're not putting enough truth on the inside of them. And those of you that are over 10, 12, 13 years old, that responsibility is on you. Well, I don't know what I believe. Well, grow up and, and learn to put the kingdom of God on the inside of you. You gotta learn geometry and trigonometry. You gotta learn math and science and history. You can learn what the word of God says about absolute truth. You could tell I was a youth pastor for a while. Kids loved me. Because I was, I talked to them real straight like that. I got in trouble once for saying something I shouldn't say. I won't say it now. Thought about it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Only say what is good and necessary for edification, that it would impart grace to those that are listening. Sometimes you need a little bit of help. If you, um, I remember back in the old days, I would, um, I travel and I do these rock and roll shows. I was in sound and lighting and video. I was a roadie, had long hair and a greasy ponytail, and we'd set up the lights and the audio and all that. And um, backstage, there was always the dressing room for the star. And when they had a really big star in town, they would be, they'd hire a police officer to stand at the door of the dressing room. Nobody got in and out of that dressing room if you didn't have permission to do so. So there's a verse that I want to read you. It says, Psalm 141, Lord, I want you to take control of what I say. Put a guard over my lips. Other translations say, guard my mouth. Because what happens is the security guard won't let anybody in or out of that door unless there's permission to do so. So we're asking, Holy Spirit, put a guard over my lips that I would not speak anything I shouldn't. So instead of speaking worry, instead of speaking fear, instead of speaking anxiety, instead of speaking curses, instead of speaking death, we're only going to allow our mouth to speak the goodness of God. And when God's people will declare the goodness of God, heaven responds. It's really weird. It's kind of like when we will speak faithful things, when we, our words have power for life and death, when we use our powerful words to speak kingdom truth, it's kind of like we're creating like a two-lane highway. It's like when we speak words of faith, then heaven comes down and creates a landing strip for heaven to touch earth. God is attracted by our words of faith, by our words of life. And when we make a bold statement of faith, Heaven will echo on the earth. You want heaven to come down and be a part of your life? Speak life. Speak the kingdom over your life. There's a story in Acts chapter 4, where it started in Acts chapter 3. Peter um, and John, they were preaching the gospel. They were preaching Jesus. They were preaching the truth. They were boldly proclaiming the good news. And then they got arrested and then got put in jail and they went before the Jewish council. And in Acts chapter 4 verse 29, they just got out of jail and this is their prayer. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to us your servants to continue to what? Speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to do what? Heal and that signs and wonders and miracles would be performed 
through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Continue to speak with boldness. Isn't it funny that it was literally speaking with boldness that got him put in jail in the first place? But they're like, yeah, Lord, I want you to make us more bold when we speak about Jesus. And what's, what heaven's reply is, you want to speak more bold at work? You want to speak more boldly at school? You want to speak more boldly at Kroger about the goodness of God? That creates a landing strip for healing and signs and wonders and miracles. That's how heaven touches earth is when we speak life. Let me give you a natural example, a scientific example. I do not understand the science. I Googled it and read one half of one article, so please don't ask me any questions. But scientists have figured out how to make it rain. I don't know why they haven't done that over North Texas lately. But in, in certain environments, when clouds are wet and heavy, but not raining, and they'll often do this in the winter, they can take a plane or a drone, and they even have rockets that they can shoot up into a cloud, and it'll burst little tiny particles of silver iodide, whatever that is. And when the silver iodide gets into those charged, heavy molecules, maybe, <laughs> it causes them to come together when they come together, ice crystals are formed, they get heavy, and they fall out of the sky. And it'll, it'll usually start as snow, and then if the atmosphere is warm, it'll rain. If the atmosphere is cold, it'll snow. Scientists can shoot silver iodide into clouds and make it rain. Our words of faith trigger a response from heaven to rain down healing and signs and wonders and miracles over our lives. Now, there's a verse that I have to read, but I am cautious to do so because many preachers and people have used this verse out of context. They've used this verse for their own personal gain, and they have twisted what I think God wants to do through this verse. But just because some people have abused it doesn't mean we can't embrace this scripture. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Uncommon church, I tell you the truth. Say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe. Here's where your heart comes into it. And have no doubt in your heart. I tell you that you can pray for anything, and if you really believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, the key to not abusing this scripture for personal gain is that you would know the heart of God. You would know the heart of the Father and that our will would come into alignment with the will of the Father. So you're actually praying out loud God's will into a situation. And here's an honest truth. I think sometimes miracles do not happen in my life and potentially do not happen in your life because we did not have the faith to seek God what his will is in that situation and then out loud speak for that mountain to move. Now, we don't have the luxury of just like saying whatever we want. Our job is to learn to listen to the voice of the Father and align our heart with the heart of the Father, but then he is trusting us. He's partnering with us to make that declaration on the earth. He is in heaven. He needs his hands and feet. He needs his representatives on the earth that have a mouth that can speak. I can't explain it. I don't know why he did this. For some reason, he wants to use our faith-filled declarations to be a place where he wants to rain down healing and signs and wonders and miracles. Now the follow-up to when God does great things, healing, provision, blessing, breakthrough, deliverance, whatever, is that we give 
God the praise and we don't take any of the glory for ourselves. All we did was make a faithful declaration. He is the one who brought the miracle. Heaven will respond with power if we will make an out loud confession of faith. Let me give you an example of this in scripture. The most impressive miracle, the most powerful miracle that exists is when we, sinful people, orphaned in this world, we recognize that we have to die to our old lives. We have to repent and ask God to forgive us of our sin and then confess that Jesus is Lord. Somehow in that process, we are born again. We go from death to life. We go from sinner to saint. We go from orphan to child of the Most High God. I cannot explain it, but it's somehow because we believed in our heart and then we confess it with our mouth. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, if you would openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart Remember, your tongue is connected to your heart. It's by believing in your heart that you have been made right with God and then openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The faith starts in our heart, but the deal is sealed when we speak it out loud. It just shows you the importance of our words speaking out loud and then heaven coming and doing a miracle in that place. Let's move on and wrap this thing up. There is a scriptural precedence, and I'm only going to give you one verse for time. I've got a whole sermon on this, but it's not the day for it. And that is when we out loud speak our thanksgiving and gratitude to God, it will open the gates of heaven. That when we will speak how grateful we are to God, it opens the door for God to do more of what we were thanking him for. The Father likes when we acknowledge him, when we give him honor, when we give him praise, when we are thankful for what he has done. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Give him thanks and bless his name. We enter into the presence of God, but it's on the other side of our thanksgiving. Sometimes people are like, oh, I never really feel the presence of God because you're not singing out loud the thanksgiving and praises of God. You're just sitting there waiting for the music part to be over. What does a gate do? A gate separates two dimensions. It's, it separates two realms. If, if I, I have a gate that separates my driveway from my backyard, I cannot get into my backyard unless I somehow climb the fence or I go through the gate and I'm leaving the realm of my driveway and I'm entering the realm of my backyard. A gate separates these two things. When we give out loud thanksgiving to God, he opens a gate into his presence for us to experience him. And this is not only meant for church for an hour and a half. This is a 24-7 discipline that we thank God every day. We thank God for all that he's done in our life. We have a heart that is so filled with gratitude. He is always letting us come through that gate and experience his presence. Now, I'll also say this. When I was a dad, I guess I still am a dad. I am a dad, period. When my kids were little, when my kids were little and we would give them, you know, candy or a gift or a toy, my heart was so moved for the kids that had the most gratitude. Like, if a kid was like, oh, thanks, very little thanksgiving and gratitude for that kid. But if a kid came back to me, he's like, hey, mom, dad, thank you. This really means a lot. I'm going to give like 26 other presents to this kid. Because they took the time to really thank me and mean it. 
Let's be the kids that are always thanking God for all that he's done in our life. I'm going to give you a really difficult thing right here. This is extremely hard. Don't just thank God when everything is good. That's easy. Thank God when things are terrible. Why? When we get to heaven, we will not have the opportunity to thank God in difficult times because there won't be any difficult times. You can only do that in this lifetime. There is a special kind of intimacy. There is a special kind of the presence of God when you give him praise in a trial. When you give him praise when you lost your job. When you give him praise when you are mourning over someone's passing. That when you thank him on the good days, that you would also thank him on the bad days. Because there is a special aspect of heaven that we experience on this earth. Because when we get to heaven, we won't have any bad days. We won't be mourning anybody. We're never going to lose our job. There won't be any lack. So our opportunity to give him thanksgiving in the difficult times is here and now. Literally, finally, testimony. Speaking about what God has done somehow creates faith for him to do it again. Remember, there's, there's life and death and the power of our tongue. We create when we speak. When you speak testimonies about what God did and then you turn around, he has created more of what you just gave him praise for. It ignites faith. It, is, it spreads like a fire, but it's, it's a faith that other people grab a hold of too. They didn't previously had that faith, but because you spoke out loud about what God did, they're like, all right, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. They have conquered the enemy. They've conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they didn't love their lives even unto death. Telling testimonies about what God has done will build, will create faith in other people. When you hear that somebody else got healed of the disease that you're struggling with, you're like, okay, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. If you're looking for a job and it's been months and months and months and you hear a testimony that somebody else prayed and God did this miracle and he gave them this job, it builds your faith. It's like, all right, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. If you're trying to buy a house and you're in the financing and everything is difficult, it'll build your faith to speak life even in a struggle. If you're struggling with porn or you're struggling with alcohol, or you're struggling with weed or you're struggling with finances or you're struggling with same-sex attraction or you're struggling in your marriage or you're struggling in, in some area in your life but yet you hear a testimony that God delivered somebody, he set somebody free, your faith is like, all right, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. It, it, it creates something on the inside of you. It builds your faith that you will speak something that isn't as if it already has happened. Remember the verse we opened with. You'll begin to say things over your own life that might not be true yet, but you're creating a landing zone for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Joel chapter 3 puts it this way. I want you to beat your plowshares and turn them into swords. I want you to take your pruning hooks and create into them spears. I want the weak to say, I am a warrior. I want you to repeat that with me. Say, I am a warrior. I am strong. See, guys, sometimes we have to speak in the opposite direction of what our current situation is. We're not ignoring the weakness. We're not ignoring the trial. We're simply speaking by faith what God is about to do, which creates a landing strip for heaven to touch down in your life. And why should the weak say that they are strong? Because it's when you're least likely to say it is when you need to say it. It's easy to say I'm strong when you're actually strong. But when you're weak, it's hard to make a declaration of faith. 
I am strong, I am healed, I am delivered. And did you notice that it's in the command form? I am a warrior. We're making a declaration that is contrary to our current reality, but we're creating a place for us to walk. We're prophesying about tomorrow because we've spoken life today. We're creating a place where heaven is gonna touch earth. It's easy to say I'm strong when we are strong. It is a declaration of faith to say I'm strong when I'm actually weak. I am by faith healed. I am by faith delivered from this addiction. I am by faith blessed financially. I am by faith broken off of anxiety and walking in joy and peace. I am delivered. I am holy. I am at peace, even when you're not. You're, you're not lying. You're speaking by faith something that isn't yet, but it will be. Hop up on your feet. I'm going to give you some practical things. If words have power and if words create, I think a lot of people live their entire lives bound in the chains of a word curse that is spoken over our life. And remember, if a word is like a seed and we have sown seeds into our own life that are death, I'll always be out of shape, I'll always be sick, I'll always be lonely, I'll always be poor, I'll always be, you know, whatever. That's a curse. That's, that's, a, that's a seed that's growing out in front of you. So we need to pray and repent and ask God to forgive us. And then here, this is important. Ask God for crop failure on all the bad seeds we have spoken over our own lives. But then it's not always our own life. Sometimes we speak over other people. So we need to pray, we need to repent, and we need to ask God for crop failure to break off word curses that we have spoken over other people. Here's something else. Maybe you had a parent or a coach or a friend that said, you're stupid, you're worthless, you're an idiot, I hate you, you'll never amount to anything in your life. You should have never been born. That is a word curse that is growing in your field. You need to pray and break that off in the name of Jesus. That, that you would not reap that harvest, but that you would only reap the harvest of, of God's blessing and favor. I, I, I want you to be really careful with how you speak your words. Words are like a loaded weapon. And can I just say that you don't need to vent your frustrations anymore about your problems. You don't always need to get it off your chest. Usually you're just complaining and making the situation worse. Don't get me wrong, it's okay to talk about your problem. Maybe you need to go to a biblical counselor and talk about a trial you're walking through or an abuse you've walked through, but only talk about these things with people of faith that are gonna find a kingdom solution. Only speak about problems to people of faith that are gonna find a kingdom solution. You don't need to vent, you need to seek the kingdom of God in this solution. Because it's like you have this little fire burning, this little embers burning that somebody else spoke, and then your complaining is just pouring gasoline and making this huge thing, which really wasn't even that big in the first place. You've got a huge problem and a little God. I need you to have a great big God and a little tiny problem. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So therefore, only speak life. Only speak life. You can bring life to a dead situation but you can also bring death to a living situation. 
So be very careful where you point that gun. I am a gun guy. I, I'm a concealed carry guy, like most Texas people are. And if you've taken any kind of gun safety course, and if you haven't, I will give you the number one, most important, very first rule that you will learn in any gun safety course ever, ever, ever. Don't ever point a weapon at anything that you are not willing to destroy. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So don't point your tongue at anybody unless you plan on speaking life, unless you plan on speaking blessing and healing and deliverance. All right, we gotta, we got to crash land this plane. We wanna, I want you guys to pray. I want you to out loud make some declarations. Um, if you have been careless with your words, I want you to repent in, in a minute. I want you to ask God, and I need you to do it out loud. You, you, you curse people out loud, you can repent out loud. I want you to repent for speaking death over people, cursing over people, over your own life, over your kids. I want you to repent and break off word curses that either you have spoken or other people have spoken over you. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to put a guard, put a security guard over your mouth. I want you to pray and ask God to renew your mind according to Romans, well, eight weeks on renewing our mind this fall. Stay tuned, don't miss church. We're gonna renew our mind, which is what? It's gonna put the kingdom into our hearts. Let's make all of our grandmas and our moms and our kindergarten teachers happy. If we have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I will say this. The, I know I ruined your clap, I'm sorry. That giant horse in Washington State 20 years ago, it came to a screeching halt when I remembered how to ride a horse, I relaxed my legs, pulled back on the reins, and I gave it something to do. I pulled back to the right, screeching halt, turned right. Why? The tongue, as powerful as it is, it can be disciplined. It can be broken. It can be trained to obey the kingdom of God. Now, it takes time and it takes work. If you've lived your whole life just spouting off and saying whatever you want to say, it's going to take a reset. It might take some sort of vow of silence. I love how I got to laugh on that. Oh, <laughs> okay, Lord help me. The reason of what I'm about to say is so difficult is I've been wrestling with it for the last couple of days with Josie. As much as I do this for a living, I don't struggle with much, if anything, in my life except for my words and my tongue. And sometimes you've got to shut the computer down, unplug it, and then plug it back in and reboot it. So today is day one of a 40-day fast where I will not speak unless I am praying, worshiping, or preaching. So if you need to talk to me, talk to my wife, talk to Lene, because I will not respond for 40 days. That is extremely hard for somebody like me that speaks a lot and rarely thinks before speaking. I can do it. Why would you tell everybody? Isn't a fast supposed to be a secret? Because I'm gonna need all the help I can get. All right. 
Now, I happen to have a job that I don't have to speak. I can type, I can text, I can text Josie and Lene to speak for me at the office. What are you gonna do? Maybe you don't need to fast for 40 days, maybe you need to do it for a week. Maybe you do it from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. You know, when you're not at work or school. Teenagers, don't try this. You're going to get in trouble your first week of school. <laughs> right? Sparks. Sparks. Isabella Sparks. She's like, don't do that. All right, final thought I want to re go back to. We need to enter into his presence in through here the gate. How, does it, how do we get there? Thanksgiving. Out loud. I want you, here's your homework. I want you to make a list of everything you're thankful for. I want you to make a list of, if you slept on a bed last night, thank you. There was a roof over your head, thank you. If you had air conditioning, thank you. If you didn't have air conditioning, thank you, Lord, that you're making a way to provide air conditioning for me. Some people ask me, so do I need to thank the Lord because he gave me this disease to teach me a lesson? No, because he's not an abusive father. Thank him for healing you. Thank him for healing you. Give him praise. And then I want you to testify. I want you to tell people what God's done in your life. If God did a miracle in your life, sometimes people like, hey, why do you tell that story of the blind eyes being open when you were 16 years old? Because 30 years ago, I saw blind eyes open. I know, but it was 30 years ago. Yeah, but I saw blind eyes open. So I'm gonna keep telling that testimony because God is real. If you've had a miracle in your life, I want you to testify. Get onto your social media and speak life. Hey, I just, I've never said it publicly, but 10 years ago, my wife and I, or I was struggling with, or God did this thing, or I, I didn't know God, and he loved me so much that he died for me. I just wanna make a public, out loud declaration of the miracle that God's done in my life. Why? Your testimony is gonna build faith in somebody else. So, so, so speak life over other people. Speak life over your health. Speak life over your mind. Speak life over your body. Speak life over your finances, speak life over your kids, speak life over Gen Z, speak life over Uncommon Church, speak revival into existence in our city, that God would do great things at these altars, that thousands and thousands of people would get born again, that we'll see healings and signs and wonders and miracles, that the clouds of heaven would be ripe with rain and pour down on the earth. Speak life, prophesy to what God can do, and if you can't, don't say anything at all. Be very careful what you put into your heart because it's what your heart determines what you say. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we have a lot to pray about. Wow. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we can discipline and train our tongues to, to submit to the kingdom of God. We thank you that we can fill our hearts with your word, with your spirit, with faith, with goodness. We thank you that you are the God that heals. We thank you that you are the God that delivers, that you are the God that restores, that you are the God that rains down heaven right here on the earth. Lord, I want to thank you that even when I hated you, you loved me. I want to thank you that when all I wanted to do was sin, you wanted to bring me to a place of sonship and make me holy. I want to thank you that you took my sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. I want to thank you that right now you're, you're calling people back. That we would 
enter into the gate of thanksgiving. We would enter into your presence, that we would not be alone in this world because we would experience your goodness. I want to thank you for your love for me. That before you created me in my mother's womb, you loved me. You knew the number of hair on my head. You, you knew everything about me. Thank you for loving me, even when I didn't love you. I talked earlier about the importance of a miracle of when we would believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, repent of our sin, ask him to forgive us, and then declare that Jesus is Lord, that he does this miracle that we're born again. He becomes the Lord and Savior of our lives. We will never taste death. Heaven starts now. If you're here this morning or you're watching online, then you know you're not right with God. You know you're far from God. Now, for some of you, you knew God before. You knew God as a child. You knew God, you know, through a, years ago. But something happened. You got hurt. Your heart grew cold and hard. You, you've been living out some difficult things and seasons in your life. Listen, today is your day to ask God to forgive you of your sin. God is not mad at you. He's a loving Father that wants to bring you right back into that relationship, to bring healing to your heart. Now for some of you, this might be the, the first time in your life, like you've never heard stuff like this before, but your heart is beating out of your chest and you're like, I've got to get right with God. I want to get right with God. So whether it's your first time or your first time in a long time, I wanna lead you in a prayer to ask God to forgive us of our sin and to make Jesus the Lord of our life, and we're gonna pray it out loud. Now, here's the thing though, I can't pray it for you. I can, I can help you, I can lead you, but I can't pray it for you. You are the one that has to believe in your heart. You are the one that has to confess with your mouth because your words are powerful. So if you're here this morning, even if you're at home watching online and you need to get right with God today, you need to pray this prayer with me today. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. I'd like you to be brave. And just shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. I wanna pray that prayer. I wanna get right with God today. I see your hand, is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand, is there anybody else? I see your hand, is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. Yay God, yay God, yay God, yay God, yay God. Good, good. All right, YouTube, three people raised their hand, said, preacher, today's my day to get right with God. So if that's you, right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, just shoot your hand up and pray this prayer with us. All of us, why don't we help those that pray this prayer? If you were too afraid to raise your hand, you can still get right with God. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And I receive you into my heart. I'll never be the same. I'll live for you forever. I'll live with you forever. Help me, Lord, to speak life or nothing at all. Help me, Lord, to put a guard over my lips that I would speak the kingdom of God, healing and freedom, deliverance and salvation, wherever I go. And Lord, I repent for being careless with my words. And I repent for speaking curses over other people. 
I ask, Lord, for crop failure, that you would break off word curses that I have spoken and that have been spoken over me, that I would reap a harvest that I did not plant of life, healing, freedom, joy, deliverance, in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.